welcome to Page Break. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Madison. Mads, we have a guest today. We do. I have known Andrew for, I honestly couldn't tell you how long. Uh, <laughs> I think I was maybe <laughs> 17. Wow. When I met Andrew. so I didn't I mean, realize it was that long. Yeah, he's basically my brother-in-law, so. Fascinating. Feels like um, it a lot. Yeah. So yeah, here's Andrew. Writer and director uh, Andrew Woodman has been joining us today. And uh, Andrew, we are honored to have you here. Um, And we're honored to have you pick our movie this week. I think all of his credentials because I'm just like, yeah. This is is Andrew. He's there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for for me and Madison, it's, I mean, not even in law. It's just basically like, she's just my like little sister. Mm -hmm. This is my brother, Andrew. He is going to talk to (laughs) me. That's just how it goes. Andrew, you're somebody like I, so I met Mads in college and you were always somebody that she referred to all the time as somebody that I would get along with swimmingly. Uh-huh. Like there was always Same just this, for her, dude. <laughs> this vague Andrew person that she was always like, dude, you guys should meet. And I'm like, that's awesome. And like t- two months later, I'd be like, man, you should meet Andrew. I'm like, I-, I-, I will. I just haven't, you know, been to Atlanta. Like I just haven't gotten there. So um, slowly but like surely. She was playing like <laughs> friendship matchmaker. Just like, uh-huh. oh, you this heard about Jeremy? True. Like everyone loves Jeremy. <laughs> he's got people because he's just the most positive person in the world. He can make any idea work. That's how positive he is. You would love him. And These then are I'm horrifying like, mistruths. No, though no, they're very true. <laughs> Anyone that's been around you for two seconds is like, this guy just fucking loves what he does. But um, oh, I appreciate that. No, no but no, hey, this, thank yeah. you guys so much for having me on. This was uh, this is re- I'm really excited, honestly. Um, oh, dude, same. I've I've you know I've listened to the podcast. I'm a fan, and uh, yeah, I like yes. talking about movies. And and the funny thing that uh we were talking before i guess we started in on the uh the actual recording mm-hmm. from when we did our you know 10 seconds of of silence um mm-hmm. it was uh it's funny because i was listening to to a few of the episodes and i was like this just feels like i'm on the phone with jeremy like i just <laughs> but i can't talk back and i'm like but now i get to talk back so that is so that is amazing <laughs> It's just like, yeah, you can't, you can't really contribute to a podcast. Like you can't really like you've, it's a conversation that you are a passive observer to, Mm -hmm. which is an interesting phenomenon where like, you can't even like, I guess in like old school radio, you could like call in and like, maybe like have a say in something or whatever. But like podcasts are such a, you feel like you're just on a Skype call with all people, you know, or like people you like, like, but you can't contribute to it. It's an odd thing. It's almost like a YouTube video where like you have to like, it's like you can't, you can comment afterwards, but like, it's not like a live stream, you know, we're not, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But, but in that way it is finite and it is like, just shut up and listen. Like, you know, you think you want to say something, but just listen. There have been several like fan podcasts that I've listened to where I'm like, Oh, I have so many opinions. I wish I could talk right now. (laughs) Right. That just no, seems totally. to be like a like an open Twitch stream or something for like fan chats like that, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> but then or, you don't like don't you don't want anybody else really to talk. You'd be like, no, no, no. Give me my I need my stage. I need my platform. I need to say yeah. what I have to say, and the rest of you guys are back away for a minute. Well, that mm-hmm. reminds me of that um, panel that I went to at DragonCon last year about the 100, but it was a mm-hmm. fan panel. Oh. And they were talking about the show, and it was just like everything they said. I disagreed with so strongly <laughs> and I was like, let me up there, please. But the problem was I was very drunk at this point because Perfect. it was like the last day of Dragon Con. Yeah. And I was like, I have opinions. 
Uh, but no, <laughs> I have <okay>. a voice. <laughs> Two things on that. First one being RIP Dragon Con because this yeah. year it is gone virtual. And while I think everyone that's a big fan of Dragon Con will support it online, which it is being like, it, I think it's being broadcast for free. So if you actually wanted to watch it, well, that's good. Uh, this coming weekend, they will be, it's like they have like a Vimeo, YouTube, all that kind of stuff. I'm not even a plant for them. Like I'm, I'm not getting paid by that. I should, but I'm, I'm not. You should be um, paid for this ad, yes. Um, but the, the, the craziest part is um, when you're at those panels, specifically, you know, especially when you're a big fan of something that, that you have, like, you know, you yourself spent so many hours watching and consuming and thinking about, and it's really, like, affected you. It's like when you're watching other people talk about it on a panel and they're not, like, you know, a cast like the, the people mm-hmm. that were involved in the making, it's always going to have that sort of disconnect of like, well, I like that, but, you know, and so, you know, right. I think Madison was probably not alone in that crowd of people that were like, um, I have, you know what I mean? Like I have thoughts. Right. It's always yeah, interesting. It's yeah. It's, yeah. It's when you like, you like have the opportunity to talk to the people involved and like get real answers, but then it's just people speculating. It's mm-hmm. like, I don't know if your speculation is actually correct. Um, it's like there used to be that thing on AMC where like every show they'd have would have like an after show where just people be people like talking about whatever the show was for like 30 minutes. And I don't know. It was just like, it was like a, a discussion, but it was just like with people that weren't involved with the show. It was weird. I don't know why that, that phenomenon was always odd to me. It's almost like the, uh, it's like the news thing. Sorry, Madison, you about to say something? No, no, you're good. Oh yeah. I thought, I thought I saw your head move like you're <laughs> I thought of something, but it's not a complete thought. So go ahead. <laughs> but That's I want to hear. I want to hear the half thought. Love half, the half thoughts. The half thought was that these bitches didn't even listen, didn't even watch the season that they were talking about. It was oh, really wow. Oh god. So like drunk, indignant Madison was like, "Let me up there." <laughs> you honestly probably could have taken it over. And- I know. But, well, but okay. here's, here's the thing. It, in Madison's mind, it would have been her taking over, but in reality, it just would have oh, been her okay, just no. slur screaming and then being pulled away by security. She would have been the stage. first Karen of 2020, but back in 19. <laughs> well, that was back, well, that was right when the 100 was starting to really go downhill. So, like, nothing that came out of my mouth would have been really positive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. You could have done better. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. No, but to, to go back to your point about the... Uh, the the talking dead as they call yeah. it and, and things like yes. that it, it that kind of almost feels like a um it, ironically it feels similar to like sports but almost more similar to like when you see political debates and mm-hmm. then they immediately go to like a, a round table of experts that are like yeah t- telling you who won even though like you have your own opinions on like what happened you know and right. it's like in, in, in that way you know obviously it was amc that was a part of it so mm-hmm. part of me wonders if that is almost like a second, like not censorship, but like a second, like um, interpretation. You know, like we we go yeah. to the internet sometimes to like, how do I feel about this? You know, and like, and then we just read comments. But then, like, we don't really like take the time ourselves to be like, okay, like that's okay. That episode hit me, or that movie hit me, like whatever. Like I ha- I have those thoughts, and then you know, like a week or two later, you see somebody that like saw it, and you guys have like a great conversation because you've mm-hmm. been like marinating those thoughts for a week. Um, and then it's that's also when- yeah, Go it's ahead. also weird. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's like it's also like a 30 minute just commercial for AMC shit. Like it's like a no- it's like it's one of those things yeah. where it feels like the, a 30 minute long infomercial for a show you've already watched. Right. 
and without any like like you don't have real like sometimes you'll get context from like the writers or or, or the person who directed the episode but rarely is it like a real nuts and bolts conversation about like why things were done why things were chosen why things were like done this way as opposed to that way like the conversation you'd get from people like two years after something airs or two years after a movie gets you know released that's not what you get immediately after it's like what you're talking about where it's like you're not getting substance you're really just kind of getting this happened this happened i liked this i didn't like this and now we're gonna have another episode next week and we're gonna tease that like it's Mm -hmm. it's it's not a substantive thing where you it's not you don't learn anything like it's weird like which it, to me is the point of having something like that it's crazy because um you know i i don't want to be the one that segues us but like this is the perfect segue into the nice guys you're the guy who beat up my dad hey oh sucker punched your dad big difference but don't worry he just did it for money <laughs> you beat people up and charge money yeah sad isn't it that's really your job yeah no way. Yeah. So, um, how much would you charge to beat up my friend Janet? What? How much you got? Thirty bucks. Oh, Thirty bucks. Apple pie. Is she a big girl? She's tall. All right. Super but annoying. Apple pie. She's always mean to me. Just eat That's good. This conversation no is over. We're just talking, and it's over. Um, yes, it that was my choice for for this for this episode. Um, if you're Excellent listening choice. to this and you have not seen the nice guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not even saying like in a threatening way, like, please do yourself a favor, press pause, go to Hulu. I think uh, that's what I saw recently that, that had it or, you know, it's also on, on HBO Am- Max. HBO, HBO, HBO through Hulu. HBO Max has like everything. Okay. But, HBO Max is amazing right now for the record. So basically there is no excuse not to watch this movie. It didn't Mm-mm. get watched enough when it came out, Insane. which is an, an a terrible terrible tragedy but like it is so um jeremy you know why this is an interesting episode because we don't have one script we have we have two scripts ladies and gentlemen which is a rarity around here not only do we have the actual shooting script that is you know you get these all the time they're the kind of shit that goes out like for oscars and this is the screenplay of what came out like and it's basically almost a transcription of the movie half the time. It's rarely like a shooting script where like there's scenes that were cut and like, it's rarely that kind of thing. But other than that, we have a 2003, which I didn't even realize this was written that early mm-hmm. of the nice guys that Andrew bestowed upon us. Thank you for that, sir. Cause it was fascinating mm. to see what 13 years does for the marination of an idea. And frankly, just the finding the, the fine pointing of just just the story like and, and making it sharper and more specific like beyond everything else the fact like if once we dig into it like 2003 versus 2016 one of those is a movie that feels all over the damn place uh-huh and has some good moments but the other one is specific and focused and of a time and actually has an opinion and also has i frankly think more empathy for its characters oh one thousand percent and is a completely different mindset of filmmaking um so yeah so we're in an interesting um sort of perspective here because um the script that was first written um back 2003 yeah so that that was like the their first sort of idea this is before kiss kiss bank so um so the so the nice guys was written by um both Shane Black and mm-hmm. I'm oh man Anthony Bagazi Bog okay. Bagarazi 
I was like, I had it up. Um, I got that I'm to be a bright her. What else has that guy written too? That's the other thing. Like I, I always assumed that 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 um, Chain Black had written it entirely himself. I don't know why I never realized um, this guy was a co-writer on it. And yeah, it looks like he's. Oh, I see. It looks like he's like a co, like he's a writing partner for for Shane Black. For Shane Black, yeah, because yeah. he's working on other. I know Shane Black is working on Doc Savage at one point, and it looks like he was co-writer on that and shit like that, which is interesting. So, um, the interesting thing is, is that um, so the first script obviously came out in two thousand three, and if you know Shane Black and you're a fan of Shane Black, or or maybe you're not and you've never heard of a Shane Black or anything like that, but maybe you've mm-hmm. seen the movie Kiss Kiss Bang Bang with Robert yes. Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer. It's a yes. very similar vibe. Um, maybe you've seen a movie called Lethal Weapon. That is also mm-hmm. Shane Black. Um, there's a lot that this guy has done, especially with the buddy cop genre. Oh, yeah. Before the, even the 2000s. So, like, if we go back and we, and we realize, you know, just how much of a master this man is, um, there, there's, there's two things. One, there's the 2003 draft. There is the mm-hmm. 2009 draft, which is the one that I sent. And then there's obviously the, the latest draft, which was the shooting draft, which right. happened after the, 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 both Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe mm-hmm. were cast in their roles. Precisely. Um, and that's the, that's the, the, that, that is the one that I think is the most interesting to think about, which we, don't, we, didn't, we didn't get to read, but we got to see. Obviously, um, yes, of course. Yes, yeah, so that's so, the fact. Yeah, because you get, you get that other perspective of actually, like we always say, where it's like, there's three drafts of a movie. You write it, you edit it, or you you write it, you shoot it, you edit it, and the final product is the one we actually see, which is similar to the 2009 draft, but not precisely. Like exactly. it, it's, it's it's certainly closer to the final movie than the 2003 draft is, which is bonkersly different, even though it has very similar sequences in a lot of ways. So Madison, to fill you in, the um. 2003 draft so as you know the nice guys uh, for anyone that's that's listening at home the nice guys is a is a uh, detective sort of comedy slash mystery um that is set in the 1970s um yes which is so brilliant for for every kind of character and every motif that they have within the film um but the first draft madison is actually set in 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 the early 2000s it's not it's a present day film Whoa! Um, yeah it's weird it's weird and it's really weird because it when you when you read it you see a lot of the same structure from each uh in terms of you know um i I won't get into specifics but uh in terms of like how healy is introduced and then march is introduced both almost the exact same way different sort of details within those mm-hmm. introductions of those amazing characters. Um, yes. Similar uh, conspiracy of a story. And then um, very similar sort of um, interlocking of, of their personalities. But I think it, yes. it's, it's interesting because Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, I think came out in 2005. Mm. And I See, wonder I so. if Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was sort of, this movie that Shane Black wanted to make with mm-hmm. the nice guys and then was like, oh, it, like I feel like it clicked for him one day after he'd already written the, the, like the 2003 draft or maybe 2001 draft. Right. I'm not sure which one it was, but, um, but then he was like, oh, th- this makes sense with uh, 
Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer. Obviously, they weren't already cast because mm-hmm. RDJ at the time, you know, yeah. didn't have the, the, the best reputation after going to prison. Not at all. Not at but, all. But um, it, it's an interesting uh, parallel if you look at the two movies as sort of uh, twins or relatives, I guess, because if one took place in the, the 70s and then one took place in the early 2000s, that would make right. sense that they were like the nice guys is the uncle to Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is Very, kind of yeah. hilarious. It is. And very and what's interesting is that Shane Black is a director who a director and a writer who is prolific. Uh, this guy made his name for himself in the late 80s with Lethal Weapon, which he wrote out of film school and sold out of film school. It made a huge fucking splash. Mm-hmm. Um, like literally, this is the Matt, this is the kind of guy Shane Black is. In the script for Lethal Weapon, he wrote a, a action block that was basically character drives up to a house the same house that i'm gonna buy when this script sells for a million dollars like these this this was (laughs) i would have hated him he wrote that in the action yeah that that was it that was in the lethal weapon script yeah that was that was who shane black was at that time and frankly he backed it up like he like he took these old school detective stories that frankly had gone out of vogue and finesse them for like a modern sensibility i mean lethal weapon is just really a buddy cop movie it's really an old school detective story and the best films of shane blacks which are most most of his movies that he Mm -hmm. has actually like written and written not directed but written because he's only directed three movies is this core idea of detective stories and what's interesting is that like you said andrew kiss kiss bang bang came out after he wrote this script for the nice guys and the story i've always heard about kiss kiss bang bang is that that was him basically throwing caution to the wind because he didn't think anybody was going to make his movies again. He got an opportunity mm-hmm. to direct something because of apparently, apparently, because um, Joel Silver made enough money off the Matrix that he was able to give Shane Black a shot at directing this movie with somebody like RDJ and frankly Val Kilmer, who were both no not nobodies at this time, but like well, you don't need R- a movie. R- RDJ was well, yeah, yeah. RDJ was definitely at the time. So th- this is probably confusing to anybody that's like, I was trying to listen to the nice guys. What the fuck is this? We're getting um, there, people. There's a long we're, arc story we're getting to getting to the nice guys. We have to fill people in. And, with this and then just prepare next for whiplash because I have one more point after this. Um, Love it. So with the with with Kiss Kiss Bang, RDJ was not in. I mean, he had just been up for Chaplin. And had like yeah. I mean he was on like the the rise I mean he'd been on the rise for like a long I mean he was in so many good movies I mean he was basically he, in the he, Brat Pack like he was basically like in that crew and then just went off the deep end in the nineties yeah he and he totally did and this was his first I mean without Kiss Kiss Bang Bang there is no Iron Man and without Iron Man there is no mm-hmm. MCU so honestly if we think about it um, Shane Black is to thank for the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Disney's heaping success within the world Disney, um, and, write shane black a check i know you already made iron man 3 but you owe him money i'm going to push it one step further so <laughs> um in watching um i was watching this this pixar documentary i can't remember the name of it but they were talking about the the problems that they were having um it was the pixar story um oh wonderful leslie iwerks documentary it's beautiful and if you recall they were talking about when they were like when 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 Pixar first started, they were just honestly just testing um, animation, and and yeah. especially when it came to computers, they were like, "This is this is like you know they went from two D to three D, 
Yeah. And then the, so many, like that's what made Pixar Pixar was that they were like, we'll do 3D stuff. Mm-hmm. And people were like, you can't tell stories with that. And so, you know, they'd, they'd won awards and, and, and Oscars with these shorts, you know, one was being like the Tin Man, like the, yes. the, 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 the bouncy thing. And, and then and obviously like the, the thing that, you know, blew people away was this one uh, short scene. And, and uh, I think like young Sherlock Holmes were like the stained glass window came up yes. and yes. animated and people were like, holy, like they had never seen anything like that in their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. So then they, they, they got this, this, this gig to, make toy story and i'm gonna mm-hmm. like completely skip over a lot of like the the shit that that happened with with making toy story but the um the initial drafts that they had of the story were awful woody yes. was like a terrible person he was he was, he was a tyrant he was, a tyrant. <laughs> he was terrible he, he, he was a very negative um just just not a, a not not a hero right no and anyway. so so pixar actually looked to the buddy cop formula one of which was Lethal Weapon to get their inspiration on what to make Buzz and Woody. Because mm-hmm. when you see the buddy cop formula, what you're seeing is two clashing ideologies having to, to get along. They have to evolve together yep. because they're both facing an extinction within either their own minds or from outer forces, right? Yes, 100%. And so like that in and of itself, like, they were looking to lethal weapon and that and that kid lo and behold shane black like this kid's yeah. fresh out of fresh out of film school well it's amazing i think about it's like these these characters and these ideas especially with the nice guys these ideas aren't new like the idea of like this kind of hard-boiled detective story is not a new thing in it's in like femme fatales and, and, and double crossing and like the whole thing that there's a big thing in kiss kiss bang bang that does follow through in nice guys where it's basically like the, the, the whole buddy cop thing is you have two cases that the cops are on the buddy cops are on and somehow some way the two cases are actually the same case and then they have to deal with the same case by the end of it and they try to solve the crime and usually mm-hmm. they, they either they solve it but they don't always get justice it's a whole thing and when it comes to something like the nice guys that is there in practicality but also what this what the filmed version of this movie does that i think it benefits from shane black's just length of time writing these movies is he creates empathetic true characters to care about um i will i've seen i think almost all of shane black's movies that he has written buddy cop wise and otherwise and Mm -hmm. not in any other film do i feel the same level of empathy and care for the emotional state of the characters that I do for March and Healy in this movie. Um, nothing compares. I mean, lethal weapon is great, but lethal weapon, the characters are basically caricatures. Uh, Gibson is suicidal and crazy. And then Donald Glover is, uh, he's dual for the shit. Like it's amazing and it's so good, but it doesn't, you, you dive only into the broadest of of characters about people for our young of- listeners um it is a different <laughs> donald glover it is not childish gambino it is the know, it's actually it's danny glover danny oh danny god Dan- it's donald glover but wow they're I so did it. similar they that's are similar the thing like i think I-, I even hear danny glover i'm like that's just a nickname for donald that's just right childish exactly gambino. <laughs> but yeah like literally childish childish gambino and fatherly gambino really should be the way we refer to danny and donald glover even though they are yes. not related Oh my um, God, <laughs> Jeremy! I think father, I think fatherly, fatherly Gambino. Yes, 
Yes. Stop. This is where we are now. Oh, wow. <laughs> is it? That's honestly, that's good. I don't know, Madison, what do you think? <laughs> I think that that could be like a rap album or at least a nice t-shirt. It's if, if, if for some reason Donald Glover like has a downturn in his career, like this is like, oh, this is like a 10 years from now, Donald Glover hasn't had anything like prolific since this is America and he really needs like a hit single. And doubtful, just, like, he, but continue. He, doubtful, <laughs> no, this isn't going to happen. But and then he starts a web series with with aging Danny Glover. Oh my god! And it's just it's it, they do a buddy cop thing where it's one called the nice guy. The sh- it's yeah. <laughs> I think that they would nail it. I think they would. <laughs> Danny Glover is an incredible comedic actor. He is. I mean, Donald Glover obviously, but Danny Glover is. I mean, the perpetual straight man. It's amazing. Like, I'm getting too old for this shit. I mean, like that's. <laughs> That's him. You that is I mean? him. No, it's perfect. He he set the template for that stuff. He, he is. Um, mean. he is indeed. Uh, so Madison. Yes. If I'm if I'm correct, you have never seen this film before, The Nice Guys. Uh, I have. I saw it with Andrew. You did. No, yeah. Oh wait. Oh, so you wait. So you saw this with Andrew when? Yeah. What the like, shit? Okay. Yeah. So I was I was gonna introduce it that how way. So learn, how am I just learning this now? So so um so the funny thing is is that Madison had just moved to atlanta Mm -hmm. and um you know obviously you know kenzie is my partner in life and everything yes but she is not into quote unquote maybe like some like gory violence type you know rated r type movies even though it was like broadcast as like a comedy you know it was it was sort of a question mark so we were like yeah uh, madison and i were like hey you know like and i was like i really want to go see this movie this movie looks absolutely incredible Mm mm-hmm Madison, do you want to go see it? And she was like, "No, I don't know who you are. Get away from me." And then I was like, "Madison, okay. it's me." We had been going to movies together for a couple years, at least at that point. We actually did get to go see The Hateful Eight, and we had Walton Goggins that that was in the audience, and he, it was this uh, special seventy millimeter. Uh, what the shit? It was really cool. Madison, why, what, about that. Madison Jeremy, you did tell me you did tell me about that. You didn't tell me you went you guys went together. And I remember the Walton Goggins thing. But why do you go to good movies with Andrew? <laughs> why do you pick good movies with him? And we have to sit through Diane Keaton movies. This is a travesty. Uh, you know. Because when I'm in Atlanta, I have Kenzie to go see the crappy ones with. It's yep, a good point. That's, that's a good point. That's fair. That's and fair. Yeah. Jeremy just yeah. moved to Atlanta. <laughs> hey man we'll see how this economy turns out we may end up having to do that but um okay so 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 there's there's a there's sort of a double thing with with madison and i going to see that movie um here in 2016 Mm -hmm. which was um it was partially shot here um if not mostly yes it was it it was it was actually one of the first exactly um, which we will talk about that that will come up um mm-hmm. and, that, and that that's just you know what you, you already segue us in so um to the Sorry. listeners um the way that this this trio sort of met actually was this past new year's eve um yes the the, the, the fateful um, in the before ed, time edge and in the in the yeah the before time i like that <laughs> I, I like that a lot um so basically um it's new year's eve um jeremy is visiting madison uh, madison lives very close to the Hilton Hotel, which is where um, much of the uh, final moments of the movie—not not the the Mexican restaurant, but the the final climactic action—I had scenes. no idea. 
Yep. So, so where we were, so that entire hotel was, was Go where they, yeah, yeah, you'll see it. Um, so, oh, shit. so much of that movie was shot right there and Madison wow. now lives right next to it, which is kind of crazy at the, at, in 2016 when we saw it, um, neither of us were living near it. I, I used to live near it. And then, uh, Madison moved into an apartment a couple of years after that long story short. So we are hanging out with Jeremy on new year's eve and it's this it's this actually kind of cool story because jeremy if you remember on new year's eve you kind of had a little bit of a stomach uh definitely bug. ill yeah felt like death incarnate run through a blender and dumped out into a river if only I did we not saw that good. as the omen that it was <laughs> but um yes 2020 was not set up to be good yeah no i was um yeah, you started it bad i was struggle bussing to get through because like we were going to go do New Year's stuff at the, at the Hilton Hotel, and I had to, like, I'm glad I did because things all, all went out great, but I, I was, it was touch and go for a hot second there. Yeah. I don't know what it was. But, you know what it um, was? Because me and you were talking about movies for so long before that. Yes. But I think your yes. brain was like, we should go. Because like, Jeremy and I definitely. were talking about movies for, like, probably, like, two hours straight. <laughs> like, we, like, we, like, met, like, Madison finally had her, like, that like her meat cute she was like yes <laughs> they come together in one room she's had the long game the four year like long game of setting up like breadcrumbs to lead was, to one another i was just the stunt double until andrew and jeremy could meet <laughs> oh shut up madison you're the you're the heart and soul of this whole operation you know it god damn right you are um, uh, but yeah no that was that was the thing i think i think going to the going to the bar after that was a second wind of um this is going to be a good night. I can't miss out on this good night. If I end up, you know, wimping exactly. out and just being sick, I can't let that happen. Well, I'm and, it, and I think it's, you know, more of a compliment to, uh, to everyone that was, that was around us and everything like oh, that, yeah. you know, where, where it's like, Hey, you know, I know you feel bad, but like, Hey, just come out. Like, it's going to be fun. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, and not even like that we got that. I mean, we got pretty trash, but like the, the, the whole idea was we ended up going to Trader Vic's Mai Tai Bar which is where one of the scenes in The Nice Guys was shot, which is what I told Jeremy <gasps> when we were there. I for totally forgot you told me that, but now yeah. that I watch the movie, now I realize that's exactly right. Exactly where it was. Didn't so, Kimberly wander onto the set? She wanted, so, so this is, I'm so glad she can't hear this conversation right now because <laughs> she would barge in and she will convince every listener that I was the one that kept her from meeting Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. Fascinating. But- as anyone that's ever been a PA knows that there is no on walkers like she like basically no. they they were shooting in the area in 2016. Uh, Kinsey and I went to Trader Vic's Mai Tai Bar. If you've never been, best Mai Tai, best drink in Atlanta, and just best bar. Yes. I mean, obviously it's I don't know if it's been open. It's been kind of close. Whatever. Um, so we've <laughs> um, we walked onto the set and not on the set, but we were on the like the sidewalk on the hotel, mm-hmm. so they didn't shut down every road. They had all these old right. cars, you know, it, it seemed very close to the sort of climactic final scene because they even had cars that were up into the, uh, the, the, the circular driveway going to the, ho- the hotel. Right. Um, yeah. And they, and they had all kinds of sets and stuff on, on the pool area, like mm-hmm. uh, in the movie, um, the, the area that we're talking about is where they had um, the rotating car stands yes. where, where, where March is like trying to duck behind a car and he doesn't Great realize gag. that Fantastic it's like, gag. it's like turning. Um, yes. 
So and, it's, and, and, and that's one of the ones that's actually written in the script. So it's like, yes. it's just these, these ideas that they've had from, from the beginning were just so good. Um, yes, very much so. So, so Amazing. Ken, go ahead. Long, no, no, go ahead. Long story short, uh, you know, Kenzie's like walking and she's like, like, and she's had a couple montages. She's like, I'm going to walk in there. And I was just like, Kenzie, like, I was like, no, like, like, this is not how it works. You know, like I've been a PA, like they're not going to like, like, this is not, you know, your moment. And she is, and, and, and then, and then basically like from then on, it was just, you know, I you was the this. one that stopped her from becoming the Mrs. next Gosling. <laughs> yes. Oh, and I man. am proud of that. <laughs> Damn right. As you should be. Look, <laughs> She's you don't know mine, what's going to happen. Ryan. You understand? Yeah. Keep your Look, damn they're... hands off her. <laughs> okay, speaking of Ryan Gosling, I think that, well, of course it was per- perfect casting because, yes, oh, he's, God, yes. you know, handsome and charming, but he is yeah. the best at playing the stupid physical comedy. He's a wonderful dipshit. He's so good. You you expect like people who look like Jim Carrey or like something like that to like be really good at, you know, Mm -hmm. physical comedy, but you don't really expect someone who is, you know, like a heartthrob to be like that funny in subtle ways. Right. That's the thing about Gosling. Gosling is Gosling's basically a character actor. Like he really is not a leading man. He is a badass character actor that will do whatever the movie requires and if it requires him to be a dopey dumb shit who's basically a drunk falling over himself who in every single instance of trying to be a detective will fuck up usually himself in some form or fashion he can do that better than anybody like he's pulling out like gosling gosling is very much because there's another thing about buddy cop movies where you basically need one person who is kooky in some way and you have the straight man Russell Crowe is very much the straight man of this movie and he's very very good at it he's also very good at making that funny but Gosling is absolutely the guy that gets to bounce off of all that and go not big he's not like overacting in this movie but he's certainly playing to the ridiculousness of his is his his situation at the moment um at any given time so i think the thing that i i, I will say about gosling as an actor is i i agree i think he's the character actor 100 um i think though that i mean he is a character actor but i think he's also just like a he he get i mean he's been a kid actor since like young hercules and even before he was in the mickey mouse club so he was like, in the mickey mouse club yeah. so so you know in terms of like his ability it's like i think he just has this innate understanding of what he looks like versus Mm -hmm. what he is doing and and so you know you see it and 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 it's, it's it's almost like this perfect storm i mean obviously he's been funny in movies leading up to this movie um i think one of the biggest reasons that crazy stupid love was a huge success which came out in 2010 uh six years before the nice guys Mm -hmm. yeah um was because of how funny he was being this quote unquote like handsome almost like jock but like he was this effeminate like new age like man's man of right. not the old but the new you know and so it, it that that in and of itself i mean imagine have like being an actor being like yeah no you, you get to be charming and, and cool and whatever but you also have to be like effeminate and like caring and close and like like fashion and clothes and and you know what i mean so it's yeah. like to, to to go from him 
being, you know, like the notebook to the nice guys mm. is honestly, it's like, I feel like we're getting to see him play for the first time with what he's always had, yes. but we've never got to see it. You know, maybe the people on set saw it, you know, like, like that while well, he's making all of those movies, but like he never got to embody a character that had that. Cause what he really has is he's got the, the charisma. He's mm-hmm. got this thing that like, you just don't, like they, you read about it in fucking books, but he, he has, he's got, I mean, there's a reason he's in Blade Runner 2049. I mean, the guy has a thing about his face and his mind. He's got that Tom Hanks kind of deal where it's like, you don't look at Tom Hanks and go like, I mean, obviously great actor, whatever. Yeah. But like, you don't, you don't see, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not, okay. Tom Hanks is great. Caveat before you defame the good I, name no, of no, everybody's no caveats. I, I take back my statement. I'm sorry. To How the dare Hanks you? estate. How and, dare you? And he had the, COVID, you piece of shit. Oh my God. <laughs> if this was any other year. But um but no but it is, so, so yeah, it's, it, it, it's interesting because it's like I think that this was a, a, a strange departure for Ryan Gosling. Yes. Um especially because we, you know, some of his fans wanted him to stay the pretty boy. Super jacked, crazy, stupid love, Ryan Gosling, mm-hmm. or the bearded, long-haired, what do you want, the notebook, Ryan Gosling. Right. And then we got this terrible person. Well, there's no love interest. Thank God. Absolutely. Yes. Well, there, there <laughs> kind of is. There kind of well, is. He thinks there's a love interest, well, which is yeah. amazing. With, with, with that's Tally. The, that's the, the funny shtick. But, like, how... Like that would have totally ruined it had there been a love interest at all. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, the fact that there is no like shoehorned romance of any kind in this story is fascinating. Was there ever? Cause I could totally no. see them trying no. to force that. Like, if, like before 2016, like I could see them being like, Oh, well, you know, there needs to be, or like, oh, it's Ryan Gosling. Of course there needs to be a love interest. No, Mads, the thing is, like, if you look back at the early script for this, like, frankly, the biggest thing that's different is that there's a lot of superfluous shit that doesn't actually have anything to do with the story. And everything kind of feels... Yeah, there's less, things... It's, it's less focused so, is the best way I can describe it. Okay. Um, so, so, um, so basically, some of the, the bigger differences is um, to anybody that is not going to read it, um, and honestly, the only reason that I found is because I'm on this Discord with a screenwriting network. If you want to support them on Patreon, you can get access to the Script Hub, which Absolutely. it'll have everything. Um, but um, the the biggest difference was in the first script, Gosling or, or a, a March, yeah, was basically. Um, he was a much sort of shittier character in the sense of he didn't have the morals of a father like Ryan Gosling brings to the 2016 version. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, the best way I can say it is March to me felt a lot like Bruce Willis's character in The Last Boy Scout. Yeah. He felt like, he felt like kind of just a scuzzy piece of shit who was a bad dad. He didn't feel like a good dad who was frankly just debilitatingly depressed. Uh, because his wife had just been had just died um and like that's part of it too where it's like there's a tragedy to gosling specifically in this story um specifically in the 2016 film version uh that isn't in 
the early version of the script and frankly is not in yeah it's most not. Of, of shane black's kind of uh, uber like it's, the, the, it's the not at all and the best way that sh- this is the best shane blackism that i can that i can describe where it's like it is a where a joke and character flaw is used as a hardcore story moment where you can empathize with the character and the best example of that in this movie is gosling's inability to smell which is not in the script it's not, which is fascinating. And the fact, because the fact that you use this moment where Gosling says he can't smell at the party, with, at the porn party. As a joke. As a joke that then, that then Healy can be like, seriously, you're the worst detective in the world. And, and then, then that's really later, insensitive. Exactly. <laughs> which at the time is just Gosling being stupid. Yeah. And you're just like, of course he would say that. But then when you later on realize that like he couldn't smell, so he couldn't smell the gas in their faulty uh, uh, gas line in their home. But his wife wanted him to check it, but he couldn't exactly, smell it. But he couldn't smell it. So, so that's he never why prioritized it. Which gives so much more weight to the fact that he is a drunk and depressed and doesn't care about anything and wants to be a nice guy, but doesn't know how to do it right now. Also, the like one, that, the one that thing that I will say about that exact scene, sorry to cut you off, Jeremy, but like Please literally do. that one thing is the fact that we don't hear it from Marsh. No. Absolutely. We hear it from Holly, who's yes. telling Healy of what happened. This it's the second time that he's seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but basically, it's it's we're in hop all uh, over the place. It's fine. I I found it so much better in a movie or in a story. Whenever I mean, think about it when when, you, when you're talking about like a scary character. If yeah. if we hear about how they are from other characters, and how much yeah. scarier they become, and then right. also how much more sympathetic a character can be when we hear about how sad their story was from somebody Mm -hmm. else. If we hear from them, yeah, probably an Oscar winning, whatever, maybe, probably not. But it's also that it's also them almost looking for sympathy. Like, like, like March would never tell Healy. This is why I'm, this is why I'm sad or this is why I'm depressed or this is how my wife died. Like he doesn't even tell him that his wife died in the, in the 2003 draft. He straight up tells March that my wife died in a fire, but in the, in the 2016 draft, it was actually in the, the finished version. There's such a question of like, Oh, why, why is oh, Holly pacing around a vacant lot? Why? I got, I got why it is all it? written out. Great. Oh, cool. All right. Go ahead, Matt. One more thing that connects them in a very subtle way is his voiceover in the beginning where Healy says marriage is buying a house for someone you hate. Yes. And that coupled up against uh, March's storyline, which you learn later. But by that time you've already forgotten probably that Healy Mm -hmm. said that. So like you just kind of subconsciously line all of this together and like, you kind of see it from Healy's point of view of like, Oh wow. Like, Damn, that's, oh, that's, that's a, that, actually Madison. That's a that's a really good point. I hadn't Idiot. thought about buying a house you know, for someone you hate because you know, literally. I, I don't it, read the script, but I have some things. No, 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 no. Like that's 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 really interesting because literally, um, I I actually had a note in here about the difference of their relative living situations, mm-hmm. and but but it's actually more interesting because it's buying a house for someone that you hate and then literally March's wife died in a house that he had bought for her. Right. And, and he is not Healy. I mean, that's, a, yes. that's why they're, that's why they're a good duo because they're, they're contrasts, you know? Well, they're, well, they're both, but they're also, they're also similar because they're both men who are alone. They're both men who are alone. Healy is very much the kind of guy that is almost a loner by default 
he even mm-hmm. in the, even in the early part of the script like he basically says i would like to i don't know be a pi and like actually have like a life and do things but this is kind of my lot in life and this is what i'm doing and like it, he lost his his wife in an amazing cutaway flashback that is different in the script mads in the script in the 2003 draft uh the whole line where his wife is sitting there and tells them that she that she fucked his dad that is actually in the opening monologue from mm-hmm. healy and it's him I just like to ask about that yeah okay. yeah because it's it's right there it's not when he reads the note off of the like the, the word of the day which is yeah. infinitely funny actually yeah so it's yeah. in both it's in both drafts 2003 yeah. 2009 both don't have so so it, it, it almost feels like the 2016 draft was almost or, or i guess the 2016 movie was yes potentially made by the editor so like that's something that we need to like remember too is that sometimes it's true don't know where that came can, from yeah can, can do that like amazing thing where they're like this scene kind of sucks um and this isn't working at all mm-hmm. but if we take this one part and we put it over here i mean like like one of the biggest examples of recent like sort of huge fandom to back up my point is mm-hmm. um allegedly in avengers endgame when yeah. uh, uh spoilers if you haven't seen avengers endgame press pause or press you know <laughs> skip whatever if not sorry um basically uh when tony stark snaps his fingers mm-hmm. um his original line was not yes. i am iron man no it, it was it, not. that was suggested by the editor because yep. thanos says i am inevitable and then, and then the editor to the Russos was like, man, it would have been so cool if, if RDJ had said, I am Iron Man. And then... Dude, you know what's absolutely crazy about that? Like, side, side convo. When I saw Endgame, I was amazed because I could have sworn on a stack of Bibles that I am inevitable and I... Like, that they wrote that backwards. That they started with, I am Iron Man. And then set up Thanos saying that because we hear Thanos say that three times in the movie. And like they set up this line as being this thing that he repeats. Yep. And then I am Iron Man is the, you never would see that coming. It is the nope. perfect, just It's what started the, the MCU. Yes. And then it's what sort of capped off its first chapter. Yes, 100%. And like you could never have, you could never have foreseen that. But like that's the crazy thing about about the way that i mean frankly big big ass blockbuster movies can kind of do that they rewrite constantly because you can go back and do reshoots and the fact that like the, the the way that movie ended up is not at all how it was intended i mean hell the 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 black widow hawkeye fights to to jump over the edge to claim the soul stone that was a whole different thing and, and then they reshot it entirely but when it comes to something like the nice guys you can see how the time that would like if they had made this movie in 2003 I don't know if it would be very good, honestly. Not that I don't like, not that I don't like the script necessarily, but the heart of the movie is not there in the 2003 draft. Yeah, no, no, and it also it it doesn't have the heart, and also it steals its twist from the Changeling, which it also references in the movie. The mystery itself is not okay. Okay, so the Changeling is a 70s horror movie or or or, or 80s i don't forget I, I i don't forget i do forget uh starring george c scott uh, which is a, a wonderful movie that is also on shutter that you guys should watch because it's a very good horror movie um that gets ripped off constantly the entire um 
uh, the entire um, um, seance sequence from Insidious is beat for beat ripped off from this movie. Uh, but it's basically about a guy who, who loses his family in a tragic accident and then buys a house. And then that, their ghosts in that house start coming to him and asking and like trying to contact him and he's not sure why. And spoilers for the ending, you should still watch the movie. It does, it's not really that big of a twist. But hold hold for 10 it. seconds. Boop. Just kidding. Go ahead. Boop. And so basically the end of the movie ends up being where there was this rich man who used to live in the house who had a son who was very sick, but the man had a political aspiration. So the son was, would have gotten in the way of that. So he drowned the son and adopted a quote unquote adopted as in bought another kid to be his son, to help with his political aspirations. Mads, that is basically the story of the 2003 draft of this movie. It, it, Amelia, Amelia, is not I think her name is Alice. Alice and the character that in the movie is Misty yeah, Nelson. It's Alice. But in the it, it's weird. And, but it, but in the but in the in the script is she's not a porn star. She's a children's show star, which is another. I'll get to this. I'll get to this point in a second. But like they are twins, and their dad is running for president, and he wanted he switched out daughters when they were younger because one daughter was very sick and the other the other girl wasn't. So okay. there's a whole like twin switcheroo thing okay. going on that is but very here, Here's the damn deal with that development. Yeah. That is so similar to Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Wait with the end. Oh, with you're the absolutely end correct. Deal I forgot about with the, that. With the sisters thinking one was actually a sister. And then that's oh. what prompted her to commit suicide. That is fast. You are absolutely correct. I think that, that he, he that took, is. I think, I mean, because I think that he finally, like I said before, I think. The, the plot for Kiss Kiss Bang Bang just came to him. I think like he was, because uh, there's an interview where he was saying that he was trying to write the nice guys for like a year and a half and he like mm-hmm. just kept getting fucked up. And yeah. then I, I feel like something happened where he got an idea for Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And then all of a sudden he was like, I could just take this one thing. And like coming from experience, I have written ideas and not good ones, but like I've written ideas in the past. And then, and then I was like, oh my God, that would be so good for this one yep. thing that I'm doing now. And then, like, you transplant it, and then you're like, no harm done. But it's only oh, yeah. harm done if you fucking made the movie, and then you right. made the other movie. You know what I mean? Like, right. That's the thing. But like, but but the thing at the end of the day is that like, what what is benefiting the nice guys? The movie is that I'm glad he got rid of that because frankly, the way it was scripted is too similar to the damn Changeling, and frankly, is not that it's it's confusing. Like the way that it's written in 2003 is like all over the place. It's, as to, it's, like, it's just kind of sad more than it it's is like. It's and that's, sad... that's 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 how kiss kiss bang bang is it's just a sad like there is yeah. no real bad guy here it just right it was just a, a miscommunication really right whereas whereas kiss kiss bang bang is kind of it's commenting on itself like it literally is like telling you the kind of story it is while it's doing it through the voiceover the nice guys isn't really doing that the nice guys is truly a buddy cop movie from its heart, it's not commenting on really anything other than culture. Uh, it's not commenting right. on the form. But Mads, like Mads, to give you an example, in two th- the 2003 draft, the ending is so basically instead of instead of Amelia's mother being part of the Treasury Department, uh, the the Justice Department, and like working against the the auto companies and all that shit, none of that's in the movie. Um, instead of that, it's about a guy running for president, and at the end of the movie the uh, March and, and Healy go to a political rally of that presidential candidate and that presidential candidate gets shot in the head by John boy. And then the end of the movie is Healy seeing John boy walk away. And that's the end of the movie. It's a dark fucking ending. It's weird. So like, dude. 
an indie movie, not a Ryan Gosling movie. Got it. Not not even yeah. a Shane. Like it's like again, which is inherently that's even almost ripped off from the Last Boy Scout. Like that's also another weird sub thing of like presidential candidate running for president trying to get rid of information that's like that's last boy scout shit like it feels like the nice guys at the time was shane black not redoing shit he's already done but he had a few really good ideas but i don't think he had a story yet he didn't have a reason for it existing because frankly having this movie take place in 2003 makes no goddamn sense this is not a movie that needs cell phones and computers like it's the weirdest thing mads because i didn't realize it was not a period movie until like somebody started talking about cell phones and i was like yeah why or the rentals. Fuck? They were talking about like DVD rentals about like Dude, Julia like, Roberts. Yeah, some, and, and yeah that, Julia Roberts yeah. is in that. Like, like what the fuck? Tom and then, Cruise. Then that's is when Roberts. you're like, you're like, wait, 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 wait. What the what? Right. You know, like, like, the, like the character, the character who gets the the bag exploding in his face that has blue, like the blue face guy. Yeah, he's references face. a Tom Cruise looking guy, and he's referred to as Tom Cruise the entire movie. It's weird. The John Boy shit doesn't make any goddamn sense if the movie is set in 2003. Why are you referencing the freaking Waltons in 2003? That's it's just... almost like it was always supposed to be yes. in the 70s. And yeah. I don't, I would, I would love to know who originally um, suggested John Boy. But yeah. here's an interesting piece of information about the first 2003 or 2000, maybe 2001 draft. Yeah. Of I, I don't know because I, I read an interview where like somebody was like I read your earlier draft. He's like that must have been from 2001. So like part of me thinks that like he must have written this back in the in the late 90s. Yeah. So like late 90s going into maybe 2001 where he finally like finished it and was trying to shop it off after like mm-hmm. lethal weapon and all that kind of stuff. Right. But apparently, um, so Shane Black and um, Anthony uh, Bagarosi. Good job. They they uh swapped characters um with their introductions so uh shane black got march and then uh anthony bagarosi got um healy so they wrote so for that first script they wrote their own character introductions and then and, and then they molded them into one thing and then wrote an outline based off of those two meet like like how would these guys you know what i mean yeah interesting that's i mean so, that's certainly a way to do it for this format certainly yeah i just I thought it was a question yeah please how was the i w- i guess like the beginning of the movie and the script as far as like their chemistry when they first meet anyway like, uh, the, yeah. like the scene where he breaks breaks his arm i know that a lot of that was because they're so funny together but like the like I'm dealing with an injury or like things yeah. don't actually no no no, no 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 so, that's in so, there so so okay so to to back you up for, first of all um in the script their chemistry is sort of like okay when when they meet it's it's I mean it's very not what the actors bring to it right but mm-hmm. um to, to to go back to the very first scene right. Where where we see this kid looking for the porno comics, yep, or yep. The, the porno magazines, not comics. Um, and then uh, he 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 gets them. And so I wanted to actually highlight it because this is page break. Um, yes. Um, one of the best things that I think, uh, and Madison, I'm gonna send you a text of this of what it looks like. Um, so one of the best things about Shane Black is his ability to get into the mind of what the eye, the mind's eye sees. Not so much 
what the mind sees and not so much what our eye sees, but the like he's so good at the mind's eye. And Mm -hmm. so, so what I'm specifically detailing is um, when this kid is in the middle of his kitchen and he's got the porno magazines and then he's got like this, he, 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 he's like walking in his kitchen and then it says he stops. Damn. Forgot something. Jogs back with us in tow, crosses the fridge, opens it, grabs a bottle of milk. Of course he forgot the milk. Where's our thinking? He stands the kitchen window at his back and pours himself a glass. And that's when we see something he doesn't. And then dash dash, like, you know, enter. A lot then, of dash dashes in this. Oh, I love them though. So, and then in all caps, out the kitchen window, a car, period. Way in the distance, a powder blue Trans Am. It appears mm-hmm. out of nowhere, punching through the guardrail up on Maholland with fog, with a fog muffled crump. It's almost comical. Half obscured by Bobby's head, the car crosses our point of view, showering earth. It's then it's gone. Blink and you missed it. Window, boring again. Holy shit. Bobby, oblivious, leaves the kitchen, actually yanks our point of view away, walks juggling the sandwich and magazine into the living room, raises a glass of milk, takes a sip, the wall explodes in all caps. Like, it's, it's insane how he describes exactly what happened in the, like, like if you watch the movie, and read the script it like it's like yep yeah, yeah, that that mm-hmm. is exactly what i and then when you reread the script after seeing the movie you're like this is the most succinct and as madison would say like descriptive writing yes well because it's very specific it is pointed mm-hmm. it's not tr- it's not taking anything for granted and that's frankly what you can do when your writing style is almost staccato in its weird way where it's like short sentences punchy dialogue punchy moments like not not wasting time on a flowery language or frankly normal sentence structure it allows for these scenes to kind of punch in it fits the tone of the movie with like the comical tone of the movie i mean the whole thing with the kid going outside and seeing the naked porn star like splayed out like that style of writing gets across that like trippy point Yes, totally does. And what's fascinating, especially that opening scene, which is entirely basically dialogueless. But like in Matt, just as a comparison. So in the 2003 draft, Misty Mountains is not Misty Mountains. She's a a, a children's show performer. And it's a much younger kid and his mother who are there when she crashes through their house and then dies. Compare that to, and there's not a whole lot of like subtext. There's not a whole, there's not an arc to the scene. No, actually, the the description of the scene is very, um, it's literally like a kid watching TV. Mm -hmm. And then his mom's like, it's time for bed, pick up your toys. And then he like is picking them up, or maybe he walks down the hall. I don't think he even makes it down the hall. It's just, no. And then like this fucking car bolts through the house. And they don't even have the description that they have in the 2009 draft. No, which is not like, at all. Because they, they even go through like this this one like descriptor of like things fucking like explode at the at the impact of this car as it like goes through one wall into you know and then leaves. But what's fascinating about like just just look at the opening scene by itself. Like Shane Black kind of always does. Uh, he he's 
he does this thing where like the movie starts with a murder or something. And that's basically the mystery that you'll follow through on. Many of his films have the same issue or issue, the same plot kind of starting Mm -hmm. pistol. But if you look at that opening sequence, it's a short film. You could make that movie, and that is a short film. It has a thesis. It has character changes. It has, frankly, character growth in a weird way. So, so it's actually, a fascinating the thing. character growth is the thing that is distinctly different from the script yes. to the film, where right. um, we see this kid. Um, well, one one of the differences is, and I, and this is up to the the mind's eye in terms of imagination, but um, it's it's funny because when they describe Misty Mountains like in the car. So that's one of the big differences in the mm-hmm. movie. She's on the car. It's mm-hmm. almost this dreamy, like what the it, fuck is it's, going on? It's just like the pinup he just looked at in his dad's magazine. Exactly. It's, 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 yeah, it's, so that's what I was going to say. It's this weird nexus of where this kid is having this moment of fantasy and reality meeting. What's up, Matt? Yeah, I would love to see uh, an entire movie of just this kid growing up and having to go to therapy from the Dude, trauma of right? seeing his sexual fantasy die in a car crash. If that's not that kid's in, a serial killer. No, that no, kid no. is a serial killer. No, if that's not the opening scene of The Nice Guys Two, <laughs> then Shane Black, what the fuck, man? Like just, I, like, just yeah, just like how the Lethal Weapon movies like added a new character every movie. The Nice Guys Two is that kid going through therapy and like no, somehow yeah. joining so, the team. So you know, yeah. so William, tell us, you know. Yeah, no, you saw a car today. And yeah, it was 50 yards from your house. It's okay. You know, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, just like another car just <laughs> through their fucking. Oh, you know yeah. I mean? okay. yeah perfect. Like, yeah. Or like he has to go to like psychotherapy because <laughs> car crashes give him boners or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Oh, my God. No, what is that? Oh, God, Andrew, what is that? Um, There's a Cronenberg movie about people that are sexually aroused by car wrecks. I think it's called Crash. That yeah, would be no, him. Matt, Matt, uh, it is a, it is a yeah. thing. It's a real movie from the 90s. Okay. I think it stars James Spader called Crash. That is about people that are sexually aroused and turned on by, by the devastation of car wrecks. I was like, are you talking about the 2004 movie that won a bunch of no. Oscars? Because I feel no, like I'm Hollywood talking, ta- also had a boner for car crashes. I'm talking that about time. the most likely much better, more fucked up movie uh, <laughs> that came out of years before then. Um, but yeah, no, like it's so the, okay. the thing about the yeah. Anyway, go ahead, Andrew. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, don't want to cut you off. If you, if I'm cutting you off, just just tell me to shut up, and I'll you're and I'll good. Literally, just stop. Um, the but, floor is but yours. The, the interesting thing is that in the scene where he encounters Misty Mountains, obviously, uh, the way that they describe in the script is, in my mind, when I, I read it, I was like, she seems kind of like they said twisted a lot, yeah. and like and things like that. And when like when I read that, like I think of like the way that like signs was where like his wife was like in between like a semi and the tree oh yeah like super fucked up yeah yeah like like super mega fucked up and then like like they say like her breasts like gasping choking blood spurting Mm -hmm. out of her mouth which 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 what like when i was reading it because i so i read the script first and then and then watched it because i I had a pretty good memory of it so i was like yeah okay you know i don't really remember this but like did, did this happen so it was an interesting exercise in how um screenwriting descriptors can be sort of i guess more like the, the opacity of them goes away with the flow of the plot and and the yes. narratives you know so like Absolutely. we just desc- like they literally describe misty mountains in the script as like 
uh, twisted around like like the engine, and she's got blood all over her. And like, and but it's funny though because in the script they say like you know she's completely like curvaceous and like you know mm-hmm. exposed. And then they say like we will do this tastefully, which I was like, yes. that's cool. That's really uh, honestly because I think that that's an important statement because I think that the the, the biggest strength of Shane Black. And Anthony Bagarosi is the fact that they understand that people like their audience in a script is the reader and not the audience oh, yeah. that is going to watch the movie. And I no think one's that, ever going to see that. Yeah. No, but, and, and, and I think that that's the biggest thing. So like, if, if, if we're talking about, you know, like, like this is a screenwriting podcast, like the, 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 the biggest impact that, that of any writer on me as, as a screenwriter is Shane Black 1000% because Fascinating of his mind's eye point of view and the way that he so succinctly communicates information. Mm -hmm. They say that on a film set, the number one quality you can have is communication. And everyone will know that. I mean, this is like with any fucking thing in the world, like unloading the dishes, but like he does it in this way that is so telling of what he's trying to tell. Like, I mean, when you're hearing me talk, it's like, is a telling of what he's trying to tell you like shut the fuck up but like he it's no, just you're, so it makes sense entirely well Cause done you could, yeah because you and i have both read like we have all read screenplays or things like from other people that they are describing things but what they are describing is incomprehensible yes it is it's it's reading like they are like because the thing about screenwriting in general that you frankly can only learn by reading screenplays or teleplays is that you have to be very deliberate with your language yes. and any kind of frivolousness, any kind of like literary affectation is going to ring false because if it's not playable, you shouldn't put it on the page because exactly. it's, not, it's not a novel, a novel. You can say whatever the fuck you want. You can spend 20 pages in somebody's minute thoughts. You can't do that in screenplay. You have to sh- write down what can be seen and what Shane Black does so brilliantly and 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 uh, his co-writer, whose name I'm still blanking on, Anthony uh, uh, Bagarosi. There we go. I'm just gonna like just like like just be like and yeah. I say I say the, the the finger guns and then I'll say it. Yeah, you can be the autofill for for the rest of it. Uh, no disrespect to to Anthony Bagarosi, <laughs> but I <laughs> Shane Black's the guy who's I know more. Although I love the man's work, um, but Shane Black has this ability where he's just like he's, he's deliberate with his language. It's action based. Everything he writes, you can see. It's not about thought. It's not about intention. It's about like, well, I'm doing this okay. and this is why Jer- I'm doing Jeremy. this. And it's very clear. Jeremy, here, here's where I think this is, this is, the, this is the, the weird sort of, um, I don't, I'm, 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 I'm going to say the weird conglomeration that is Shane Black because I 100% agree with what you're saying about like how to describe things. Mm-hmm. But like he does do, he breaks that rule. He breaks rules all throughout this motherfucking script. Literally, yes. like like he does things. Push in on one home. We push through a window. You read any screenwriting book, and they'll be like, "Don't fucking write that shit. You're not the director. Shut up." That's the that's the fascinating thing about reading screenplays is that you learn very quickly that that bolt that any 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 piece of fucking advice you get from anybody who is not a writer mm-hmm. or anybody who is not like that's don't listen to anybody don't read the fucking book so don't listen so, to these any of these motherfuckers unless they've written shit they don't know shit because this is the way to do it here here's the thing with me and and shane black and, and what i love about 
what he does for the medium of writing, not just screenwriting, mm-hmm. but writing, but screenwriting yeah. being the most sort of rule rigid sort yes. of like river, if, if you will, in terms of yes. ideas. Um, it's so interesting to me because he does things and he is such a, you will not find a block of action blocks in a Shane Black script. You will not no. find a, a, a six line long paragraph. It, it's Thank like, God. At, no. I think he actually almost has like a two or maybe sometimes three line rule where if it's three, three lines, yeah, but it's it's all got to It's like it, it, if it's if it's not a hundred percent like necessary to be within that little chunk, right? Then it then it's gonna go to two, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, absolutely. But there's something about that though that I feel like the eye and the mind sees when you read a script that that it just it it kind of it almost reads like a comic book where like you you're yeah. like you push it through the window, falling behind the boy, down like you know like and and, and it's just like this your mind is being fed at the same rate that you're reading. And it's this interesting thing for screenwriting because I sometimes feel like we are told that there is a rule of what you can and cannot do. Yeah. And I 100% respect that rule. And I will say that Shane Black respects that rule as well. And then he was the pioneer of how to make it an art form in terms of, what he puts in your mind's eye because right. he breaks rules. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll go through it, but like later on in the script, like he literally doesn't even do like in between like big action scenes, he doesn't do like interior dot, you know, like no. whatever. He, he goes back with March back with Healy mm-hmm. on he, you know, like, like he does these things that that's like, screenwriting software would be like what scene is this and he's like fuck you what scene this is you know what scene this is and it's like this is why this was so good because i think he saw it in his head first and then yeah yeah reading it was like yes we we see it too we read this this was such a good movie you know well because because there's even there's a there's a comfort to being in the hands of somebody who's like there's something about reading a screenplay specifically and i'm sure this is the same with novels although i don't think i've ever read like a newer writer novel but i guess i feel this way about like short stories in the first page or two you know if you're in you know if you are or are not in secure hands yes like you're basically a baby bird being lifted out of a nest and you need to know whether those hands are shaky and the journey's going to be okay or if they're going to drop your ass and you're going to be falling through the rest of this fucking thing and slogging through the rest of the screenplay key example of that is just like i mean i'm still chilling on fucking page one like when he's introducing the, the kid in the opening scene, he says, into the hallway, the boy, parentheses, let's call him Bobby. Yeah. Close parentheses, moves quickly now. It doesn't matter because he and we both know, and he's telling us, this kid won't matter beyond page three. Like, it won't fucking matter. He won't even have a line of dialogue. But yeah, let's so, call him Bobby. Let's call him Bobby. As Why not? To, as opposed to young kid, comma, Bobby. Bobby. Yeah. And then age, in parentheses, yeah. 16. Like, right. or whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. Like I think the age thing is stupid, but um, but no, I mean I, I think there's a lot of truth to the to the idea of when you give a character that ca- all caps name. I mean I think I mean I think that even a casting director or or any sort of production coordinator would read yeah. that and think is clock it. like I mean obviously I mean if if there's a name in a script it's gonna be a, a character but like. Yeah. But when we're when we're talking about it through a screenplay, 
there's a certain like logistic that is conveyed, especially when we say, let's call him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Madison, like, like, like you're all about descriptive language. Like, what do you think about that? Um, I also think it's related. I keep bringing it back to the comedy of the movie, but like, I mean, that's a big, that's deal. what it that's is. A big, it's comedy. I mean, like you can tell if I were to go back and read that script, the movie would feel a lot like whoever wrote that telling me this story. Mm-hmm. Like, because that tone of like, yeah, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you that. I'm going to tell you this. It, like, that's kind of how. <laughs> that's like, exactly what I thought when I, when I like was reading out, I, I actually was like, if somebody read this aloud, yeah, it would give the same imagery. And that's right. what's so well, sort of fucked up about I, the rules. I think. I want to know, I guess, since you guys know Shane Blackmore, the writers more, where does this comedy come from? Because I mean, obviously Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe bring a lot of the like really funny stuff to it but like some of the lines are amazing and like the way that they even like stick to the rule of three with comedy with like the um don't say and stuff just oh, say so good. Here. and then like the, don't say <laughs> and when she says just say they're doing anal but it comes back around at the end of the don't movie, say and right? stuff and don't where say, he says, say they're just doing anal like, and then she's like, I hate you and stuff. And he's like, don't say and stuff. Fine, I hate you. <laughs> it's so good. No, it's fantastic. I just want to know where he gets this comedy from if, like, I've never really heard of it. Um, so, so I think this is an interesting point in terms of art itself where, especially with writing and when we're telling, like, a, like a story that, like, we haven't lived necessarily. And I think that Shane Black is definitely, like, a and, – and Anthony Baccarossi are um, screenwriters go. that are and the only reason that, that I, I i no offense if anthony ever listens to this um the only reason that i we love you anthony we actually do really love you because without no you, really seriously healy. we would not have healy and healy is the is the is the main sort of heart of the story mm-hmm. um very much so. because because uh well really and truly like if, if, if we're going to look at like a hero it's an it's it doesn't make sense like this this movie defies those rules like if if we're like i'm sure that somebody could be like well the three-act structure would go like this well and then mm-hmm. along to on page 10 this happened and then you know it's like okay dude cool but like in terms of like actually like when you try to write a character like this like these this shouldn't have happened like like this is such a a, a hard thing to do in the sense of how these guys made um, well, it's almost a direct contrast to Kiss Kiss Bang Bang because in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, um, RDJ's character was a hapless thief yes. who pretended to be an actor. So he's pretending to pretend and was told to be uh, researching a role with an actual PI, which is Val Kilmer, who is 100% like a great PI. He's super smart quick funny all Mm -hmm. of it and then this movie we have march that is a complete dipshit and awful he's hapless like he um, it almost feels like everything that happens to him is like by accident he's almost like a charlie or a a buster keaton movie in in, in the sense of like (laughs) just just the cutting the 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 scenery cuts his wrist trying to break into the window just 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 it, it 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 
you're it's like it's like the timing of it like the physical oh gosh, comedy wait. of him actually punching and doing yeah it's Kenzie's here to uh legitimize the statement about Kenzie, hello uh Good jeremy day. says kenzie hello hi kenzie doing? doing great kenzie please please tell kenzie if she can't hear me that she is definitely going to be a guest on this soon if she would like to be gonna be a guest soon well, I'm gonna yeah i'll totally I do gotta, i gotta change my audio oh yeah oh sorry no, you're fine. I think I'm trying to remember where we were. Um, oh no, I know exactly where we were. I go was ahead. going to bring up one more thing. The interesting thing with the, I think I think this movie, and the script especially, is the perfect sort of example of a great script that has this amazing production where mm. every part of the script that wasn't working was benefited by the people that were either acting in it produced by, you know, I I would say after reading, you know, some like Will and Goldman novels, like how much actors sort of like demand or not demand, but like asked to change their lines and like, you know, right. And, and, and and an interview I I was reading with uh, Shane Black and Anthony Bagarozzi where they were basically saying that like the 2016 draft was, the amalgamation of getting Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling in there. And I was like, yeah. well, of course your, your script from, you know, seven years ago would be updated to the stars mm-hmm. that you have. And right. it's, and, and, and that is the question that I'd really love to know. Like what happened in those meetings? Like, cause some, like, like if you read any William Goldman novel, um lessons in the screen trade or which lie did Mm -hmm. i tell um you understand that like it's this crazy neurotic it doesn't it's not logical it's not like a company that's like well this makes the most sense and we're gonna do this it's like you're dealing with egos all these kinds of things and then somehow the nice guys benefited from all of these sort of chaotic forces and became this amazing like truly like incredible film Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it de- it definitely plays off the idea of like it it plays off the inherent humanity of both Gosling and Crow that frankly they bring to most roles that are in. Like that's what they're best at. Like Crow is best when he's playing basically the straight guy. That he's playing the very focused, simple characterization, but also like earnest. Yeah, in his he plays a he plays a big teddy bear really well. So, uh, so even actually, big Terry Bowden kick your ass. It's 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 interesting because uh, Madison, um, in the script, the way that Healy is sort of described, one they don't describe, at least to my knowledge, they do not describe that he is, um, sober. At least I don't think. I don't. I don't know. think they explicitly say it. But then they say in the 2003 draft, they make a big point of him going to AA, but I don't think they do. In the oh, the, no. So, so in, in the 2009, it's in the voiceover where he's like, My yep. AA is sponsored. So, yep. so they do. Okay. Um, but, um, part of that, 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 that was cut in the uh, 2016 movie. But going beyond that, the interesting thing was they sort of, Healy's character was sort of this caricature of like those 70s like big fucking like huge you know sort of meaty hand kind of guys that would like lunkhead motherfuckers yeah they would kind of make stuff like that was what 
like Healy was supposed to be like this, like dull stone, like this hard mm. rock that was like, I mean, he was smart even in the script, but like he was always sort of this, like this monster almost. Yeah. He's very, I mean, I mean, even in the, like he's always played as kind of scary in his own way, which is why, which is why even in the final version, his relationship with Holly is so important because yes. like he's, he has this person that frankly, because we talked earlier judges about him. how, well, it judges him, but expects better of him. Like it's the whole thing yeah. where it's like Healy has this whole thing early on where he's like, I want to be good, but I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a big brute and a galoot. Then I just hit people, you know, and move on. But Holly, and, and this is a great benefit of the rewrite, honestly, is how Holly and Healy are, how they interact with each other based on how I'm just going to call him blue face because, because he's yep. the guy with, the, yep. so that's how he's killed. Cause in the 2003 draft, basically what happens is Holly, uh, uh, blue face gets hit by the car and Holly calls for help and they cut to the hospital and Healy and March are there with Holly and blue faces in the, in the exam room and March and not March Healy, um, excuses himself goes to grab his jacket which was in the room with Blueface, comes out of the room and doctors immediately rush in because Blueface is dying and later on holly asks him what did you do while you were in there he says i was just grabbing my jacket i wasn't doing anything and then holly says well i i'm, I'm sure you did you're you're i knew you wouldn't be that kind of person that would kill somebody that is okay but it's more effective and frankly more jarring when we watch healy tell holly he's gonna wait for this guy to get better let her run away, actively forces, not forces her, but coerces her into going away so he can murder this guy so, with his so, bare hands. It cuts out a hospital so, scene, so too. To, uh, right, it actually saves you, a lot of, saves you a lot of background, but yeah, it also no, makes actually, it more effective when it you see it happen. So, um, so Madison, to, to your point of the hospital scene being cut, that actually happens later in the script. Um, there is a hospital scene that is completely cut um, in Where? terms of uh, the, the, the projectionist Chet. Oh, um, Chet. Love well, no, Chet. no. So, 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 um, when they when they go to Misty Mountain's uh, house with with her aunt, finally, right. like after their house has been shot up and all that kind of stuff, when 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 March discovers the projector that is yes. in the house, yes, that is when you actually realize that um, both uh, that, that that basically that there is there there's a link in the script to somebody that was. Um, either carted away. Oh no! It was it was one of the guys that they saw that that was had their 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 uh, throat that was slit when they when they went out of the elevator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, so great, so there's this whole scene thing. where they go to this hospital, and he can't talk because his vocal cords are slit, <laughs> and he's in such high duress, and they and they ended up picking up these notes that he was writing to John Boy. Oh, that that end up eventually like they end up picking it up, and it's like the projectionist Chet car right. show, that right. whole thing, completely streamlined. Luckily, because that would have been that was just narratively just not right. You don't need that. You don't need any of that shit. You can you can handle all that, frankly, in the in Misty's house, because um, you also have that great line reading where where the aunt asks. So does this mean that my Misty is dead? And then Gosling looks at her and she's like, yes! Yes! Well, I was going to ask about Holly <laughs> earlier, actually, when we were talking about how great uh, Gosling and Russell Crowe yeah. are. Whoever that actress is, she's really good. She's great. Okay, she's so, so, so Madison, um, um, 
you would be actually very interested to know this. The uh, part of Holly was hugely grown from the even 2009 draft. Yes, very much so. So the the way that the, I guess, almost shooting script sort of came in, I guess, before Gosling and Crow came in and probably added their own little nuances to it, which made it a great film. Can't, can't say enough about good performers that understand story, mm-hmm. but that's a whole other, I guess, mm-hmm. discussion. Um, the, the biggest thing was there was so, like, I mean, I, I have so many moments in, in this script where um, Holly and, 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 and Marsh, they are, like, not in a good relationship. Like, no. It is, it is like, the, 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 the version of Gosling, that or the version of Marsh, I should say, because Gosling is to talk about the actor, but the, the version of Marsh that you see is, like, this loving, like, hapless character and one of the things that Mm. that i was talking about to kenzie before we started recording was one of the best most redeeming qualities about marsh and holly's relationship in the movie that is not in the script is the fact that holly is actually like she's mad at marsh still she she does not like she does not approve of his methods or uh, how he is as a dad but like she is very much her own grown up as they as people are when they're around you know like alcoholics and stuff like that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but there is this sort of kernel of watching holly have this faith within marsh which right. makes us 1000% believe that he is a redeemable character well she picks up his personality and i think that's what makes her such a good actress is that you can pick up on the subtleties of like she's not just like insert kid here no yeah. not at all she's very not much like a product of this father mm-hmm. of like well yeah she has to take care of herself and that's a given and you can tell that she's more grown up than she needs to be but her personality and her humor that she learned from her dad is like with her no matter who she's interacting with very much so. I mean, even when she's interacting with Healy, like she is speaking to him almost as an equal, like almost as a person that is not a an elder. Like, but but here's yeah. the crazy thing. Here's the weird thing. We talked about this earlier. She almost sees Healy as more of a father figure than 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 March. Yeah. She's impressed with Healy. She she wants him to be a good person. Like there's that, I mean that great that great moment early on where March straight up straight up asks her, he's like, give it to me straight. Don't tell me this just because you're my daughter. <laughs> Am I a good person? Am I a bad person? She says, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it, it goes to show that like kids are sponge. Well, kids are sponges. Like yes. even though she has this like resentment towards her dad, like she is still very much her dad. So like, right. yes. So she, will- when she's talking to the porn star on the couch and she like <laughs> that, you know, don't say and stuff thing. Like you mm-hmm. see her like really not like her dad but then like when she's away from him like you can see all of the things that he taught her see this is is exactly why i'd love to be a part of the meetings that happened when the actors were signed on because Mm -hmm. when you like madison honestly if you read the script so many scenes that were like comedic and funny that that included holly were like very dramatic and very like like march you suck kind of like yeah. like March was sort of the asshole of the yes. whole movie in the script. He's like, a dick. Like wow. he like he is he's he's almost a pervert. Like he like really is no, not there a is good the, there dude. is so so there is a scene yeah that happens at the party in, in the in the script where they're talking about in in both the 2001 and 2009 or 2003 and 2009 I don't know what the fucking dates are but 
Um, but they both <laughs> reference this um, this interchange where they get to the uh, well. It event it ends up being it like the porn party becomes a porn party, but at the time it's just a costume party. Yeah, it's that draft. really yeah. It's and, and it's the old weird. draft. It's like it's like why did you even write this? But it's then, just a random ass costume party. There's no yeah. real reason given. Exactly. Um, well, my favorite line of the whole thing is, "I had to question the mermaids." <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, and he okay. says it with such conviction. No, 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 it's amazing. He goes, he goes. I was questioning the mermaids. What were you doing while I was working? <laughs> So like the, the I mean this line is oh, like, God. Like, that and that was not in the script. Oh beautiful. I was wow. questioning that that's not in the script. So <laughs> I, I, I have this long document of 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 changes <laughs> basically that well like I, I read the script, I wrote down all my like sort of impressions of of like how I saw characters based off my my relative recollection of the movie. Yeah. And then and then I was like, well, I don't really remember this, I don't remember that. Some things I was like, oh wait, that was in there. But a lot of things I was like, this like some of these oh. best moments were not let in me, the script. Let me ask you, my other favorite line is it in the script? Towards the end, during like the shootout, or when they first get uh, what's her face? Tally. Uh, no, in the yellow dress, the one they're looking for. Oh, oh Amelia. Um, Amelia. Amelia. Amelia, when they're taking Amelia in, and he goes, "Your sister's such a slut." Yeah, no, that's in the script. That's in the script. <laughs> that oh, is, I love it. Is I don't he's remember talking to his friend's daughter, his his daughter's <laughs> friend. He's like, "Your sister's such a slut." Um, but that, he, that but, but that yeah, it's changed <laughs> because um, so the, the so so actually the in in terms of the the relationship between uh, March. So Ryan Gosling's character mm. and his daughter Holly. Um, one of the main differences is whenever in the script um, March is talking to Holly about her friends, it's sort of this like go stay at Jessica's and like that's it sort of thing. Yeah. And part of me wonders if like Shane Black or Anthony Baccarossi had a daughter from the time when they wrote the 2009 draft and then, yeah and and then from the 2016 one or if they'd had one that was like maybe you know like you know growing up because it seems as though or maybe maybe it was entirely gosling but like you know and, and or crow and which would be i mean it'd be great but I, I wonder because basically what happens between um holly and march is this super sweet sort of uh at, at one point uh he he actually like before they go to the party the the, the big party He's he asked her he, he, like in the script he asked her can you go stay at Jessica's and she's kind of like yeah like and she kind of just gets like pissed out of nowhere like Holly does um, and because he, he kind of just tells her and then that's when she walks outside and she's like well my fr- like like I have a friend that's a cop and he likes my dad right. and then then and then, and then uh, Healy's like well they should get married and then you know <laughs> and then like she goes off and you know eventually ends up in the trunk right. But, before that scene happens in the script, um, one of the big changes is, and this is where this is what really clued me in on the fact that I think Healy originally was a very like buff, mm-hmm. not like almost like uh, Andre the Giant type, not not on that like scale, obviously, but like that sort of brute. Because yeah. in the script, she's like, like I think Holly re- makes a remark. This is a uh, right before they go to the party. So they're at March's house. They're at the house that you've seen in the movie where the John right. boy comes in and shoots it up. But this is before all that. And, um, 
and, and they're talking and, and Holly is looking at uh, Healy who's outside and she's like, aren't you going to invite him in? And he's like, no animals inside, sweetie. And, but in the script, Holly is actually very much like afraid of Healy. She's, she's like, is he going to shoot the neighbors? You know, like, like she's like kind of like cynical towards him. Right. Which is interesting because yeah. the, the, what I think Russell Crowe brought to the character of Healy was this sort of gentle giant. A warmth, this, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was that warm. Like when, I mean, his voice. I mean, can we, can we talk about the voice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's great. I mean, anytime, anytime Russell Crowe is like not doing his Australian, like it's just kind of just, it's gravelly and it's low and it's like, it's just, it's just very comforting in its weird way. It's also, you know, could be terrifying depending on the role he's playing. But Matt. Before we move on from that scene where they have Amelia in the house, can I just say that if this movie had been made prior to 2016 i feel like emma roberts would have played her yes she would have also oh, that, yeah. that that actress is named Mar- margaret qualley i believe her name is and um she's in two movies where she's in the 70s neither of them she ever wears shoes between this because wow. she's also she's also um the character of pussy in once upon a time one, once upon a time in hollywood and uh, she oh is, she's the one that's trying to get brad pitt yes oh yes. shit and she is aggressively she barefoot in that film yes yes well it's very much an Emma Roberts role, and I kind of it feel is. like she stole it from her, but you know. Wait, it's okay. do Joss Whedon and Quentin Tarantino have the same foot fetish? Does Whedon have a foot fetish? Yeah, he does. Yeah. Does he? Oh, okay. He I has know a that. lot of fetishes. If you look yeah. in the Avengers, I'm pretty sure that the Pepper Potts, like when she gets the message from <laughs> she is from Shield, you are absolutely correct. Then, then, and then I love. So, side note, Avengers. Side note. Side note um, there's this great little interchange with that where. Um, Colson comes in and is trying mm-hmm. to hand something to Tony. Yep. And then he's like, I don't like being handed things. And then That's right. Pepper takes it and then, yes. and then just shoves it into Tony's arms. Yes. Um, but it's a funny sort of character, like moniker mm-hmm. of he was never handed anything by his own father. That's true. But that's why he doesn't like being handed things. Makes a lot of sense. So Mads, to your point, actually, uh, you say Emma Roberts, um, Margaret Qualley, actually, her first movie was in a movie called Palo Alto, which was an Emma Roberts vehicle uh, indie movie. So, yes. So that that actually makes a lot of sense. Well, I have seen that. I am a huge Emma Roberts fan. Emma Roberts is great, quite frankly. Um, She's she's fantastic. She lives Uh, right here. Can we um, can we talk about for one second the. so I, I sorry sorry guys I took like a lot of notes on this movie. Um, <laughs> I figured you would. I came into this with very few notes to leave you room with lots of notes. Thank a you. A lot of runway here, bud. I appreciate you. Um, so the conscientious co-host. I want to sort of talk about the the way that they set up some of these um, these interactions, namely when um, when our two heroes meet. Um, yes. It's interesting to me because, I mean, uh, I have a whole lot of stuff about each of their intros and how they're different and like why it's better. Cause mm-hmm. I'm like, but, but some of that I'm like, is that just because of editors or like whatever? But like, okay. So, sorry, I'm trying to find my notes on March intro. I like had like a listed reason why. I'll, okay, here we go. Cool. Okay. Also, yes. 
they okay so so some of the some of the funniest moments in the movie are by ryan gosling obviously um yes. the the one of the one of the main ones is in his intro while he is uh in the middle of his voiceover um he in the movie if you've seen it uh he's shaving at a gas station and uh you see people fighting at the gas station and it cuts back to gosling in his corvette or in his convertible uh and then he nicks himself in the neck and then yes this, this hilarious like just physical comedic moment that is not scripted it's not it's not there Love it. um but it makes that vo fresh yeah and it makes you love him that much more because i think that we love a character that has flaws right the more that right. we can see them tout a big game and then we see that they're just full of shit the more that we just feel so much more connected to them because we're all full of shit there's also something very compelling about a character who frankly is borderline self-destructive he doesn't hurt other people he frankly just keeps hurting himself mm-hmm. um which is which is honestly why the 2003 draft yes. doesn't work because instead of basically have that whole scene in the movie where he cuts himself and he has the whole bleeding thing and it's amazing and they're like we're losing him we're losing him and he's just doped out and it's great but in the in the 2003 draft mads he has a whole thing where he like somebody gets a, a cat gets almost run over and he has to go try to find a replacement cat to pretend no i think it like does get run cat. over okay so the cat does get run over oh that's right it does so then he has to go to a shelter to get another cat that looks like the cat of the person who got run over so he can get paid by the people for finding their cat and he like has a whole thing with like the shelter person then he brings the cat back but they already knew the cat was dead yeah so there's just a cat so then, then the he's like movie. 300 bucks on the line because he'd already paid for this cat and then right they're like we knew it was dead i mean it's funny in this dark it's, way it's fine but it has nothing to do with the story and frankly also just, just don't kill him, animals in like don't a, don't kill animals in movies like just it's just don't or in real life listeners <laughs> one, more, one more thing about the beginning in case you didn't movie. know don't kill cats please don't or dogs favorite, please don't please one of my favorite things about the beginning of the movie yes very subtle and really just like kind of pointless but i really liked it was their use of like transitions yeah I really enjoyed when they used the Yoohoo's as a transition. Oh, it's so good. Oh, okay. oh the Yoohoo moment is okay. so okay. good. Okay. He, okay. he leaves with the Yoohoo, and then the next time you see him, he's literally carrying a bunch of Yoohoo's. It's so it endearing. Okay. Um, it just follows you into the next scene, and it's I, great. I, 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 it's actually not, it's a great transition, but I think it's it's a it's a character moment for Healy. Um, yes, but, absolutely. But, uh, please, can somebody put a pin in this? Madison, put a pin in this, please. Remind me in like, five cent uh, no ten, 20 sentences remind me um that's a weird moniker but just remind me then shit i'm 18 down shit 17 uh oh, wait 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 um, okay wait oh, just just so we know andrew where in your how far in the movie are we in your notes are we only at the you scene no we're before that but <laughs> we can't no i'm not gonna pull, do we need to do guys. a second part to this conversation okay. hold on i I'm, say that we upload his notes <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm. I'm not gonna. So. 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 Here. Here's the thing. I. I, w- I was thinking about the way that they Im- implemented um, both the reveal that when when uh, Healy went to March's house, uh-huh. we didn't know that it was March's house. That was a reveal. Yeah. We. We did not. Which is fantastic. It's a great. It's a great moment of, because then we cut inside to see March. So I dissected how they did that. Excellent. 
<laughs> Jeremy's like, this is going. I don't know. I like, it's like, what? What does this entail? Because I'm just like, what does that mean? I'm sorry, guys. Um, Please continue. So, in the script, they didn't establish who Healy was meeting with. Um, in yes. fact, when he goes and meets with her, she says that it's two guys that are like asking about her, which right. we know later to not apply to March because March only works alone. We, we yeah. see him in literally the next scene in the script. Uh, he's canvassing all kinds of areas. One of the areas that he didn't can't, or the, that didn't make the cut, which, which I would have thought was hilarious was he's in a, a, a strip club and he's asking right. a stripper in between her legs as she's like bending down. Like and do. he's like, I'm looking for Amelia. And like, but like the strippers <laughs> like having a full blown conversation with March between her legs. It's really yeah. funny. It makes sense. It's very seventies. Um, it is. And so they also don't show you March's daughter. So when Healy sees her in the movie, we as an audience don't know who she is. Right. We just know she's a random girl walking around a vacant lot. We so, have no idea so, who that actually so is. So I guess like what I'm really kind of getting at is the the way that um, both Shane Black and and Anthony Bagarozzi. Bagarozzi. Um, our man. The way that they placed certain plot details were so well crafted because i mean there there are so many things the uh obviously at the end um the first time we know about march's daughter is only by the voicemail that she leaves him yes. we know she has a daughter or he has a daughter but right. we don't know what she looks like we know what she sounds like but that's it we have no clue of what what she is so they built this revelation within their introductions of their first two characters that's mm-hmm. insane it's so because it, like it allows for it, it's picking and choosing our first scenes with people and frankly who they interact with and why like the first scene we actually have with holly is really the yoohoo scene yeah which is really sweet and really nice the first positive interaction we have with her is with healy and we have healy as this kind of and that's what what Matt, madison was saying in terms of the like the the redemption of healy Right. I think that by the the fact that Holly has taken to Healy is not so much a, a statement on Holly, so much as right. on Healy. Yes. The fact that Jackson Healy is a hero to this girl, like the way that her dad can never be because he's just a fucking litany of problems. Like that in and of itself to me is so cool because of course, if you were a character like Jackson Healy, you would want to not disappoint this girl. Mm-hmm. Because he has the follow through that her dad doesn't. Absolutely. He's yeah. can, he can do the things and he doesn't frankly for, he has the weird, the ethics that his father does not have. Um, like he'll do things for people, even if he's not getting, he's not getting paid good. Like he'll still get paid, but like he helps people. That's what he does. Um, uh, March screws people over he looks um, for he looks for the husbands of the dead husbands of women that have that man's ashes on their mantelpiece like he is a con man essentially that is posing as a pi it's just so interesting though i guess to talk about that because the the sympathy in gosling's eyes yeah kind of completely i mean that's that's the thing where they talk about like an actor having this sort of ability right Yes. You put any like like and I'd hate to swap roles, but like imagine Matt Bomber, who was 
John Boy mm-hmm. being, yes. which is a weird casting choice for in. My it's an opinion. interesting casting choice, but ima- but it. imagine him having to be this charismatic or charismatic uh, March. You know, like that. That yeah. to me oh, no. is 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 a. I feel like he could have done it, but like there's a sadness behind Gosling's yes. eyes, and whether or not there actually is, you know, he, yeah, he, he, there's something in our brainwaves that's like sad. You know, right? And and the thing about like, the, the yeah, the thing about John Boy though is actually interesting because it's like the whole thing about John Boy is that he has this defect. He has a mole or mole. whatever on his face. So you take like one of the prettiest men in the world and you give them a a chronic defect on their face. That is their nickname. But of that's course, actually kind of brilliant. Um, but the, so so I, I will say to the detriment of the movie that I actually did understand why he was called John Boy until I'd read the script all the way through, and then I was like, okay. wait what because apparently <laughs> the way that he they described him in in the script was he was this nebraskan born like corn fed like man so so they're 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 talking about this gargantuan dude like not gargant like like just a big guy right and who had blonde hair and a mole on his face and yeah. and and so his nickname came from the show the waltons Right, where where you know John Boy had a mole on his face, and yeah. so he got a nickname that way. But in the movie, when Amelia sees him, or uh, when um, Holly sees him, and is like talking to uh, Jessica, like while he's like in there, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm just the you're the family doctor," and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Like, we see the mole, but it's out of focus, and so it's we, this. Yeah, it, it never it never focuses on his mole, and. Yeah, it's interesting because because it's 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 a it's a. I mean, we know based off of his performance that he is not okay. You know, like like he. Well, we also Matt we Bomber. also know we also know at that point that the that the that the mother is lying about the ransom because we've already seen them crash after Gosling has his wonderful dream sequence. We already know that whatever family doctor they send is probably not a family. That's doctor. a great point. Uh, but also, the great thing about that sequence is that. And this is a great change between script and movie, especially the early drafts. And I, and I don't remember in 2009 drafts this is in here. But this scene is all Holly. Holly figures out that yes, this guy no, it's is actually true. 100% in the movie. Um, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Even, even, with, it, even with Jessica being thrown through the glass, yeah, I, I was right. like, that didn't happen. And it, it does. Yes, it absolutely does. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, so but that, that's such a great choice for that character because it's like she is the one who actually is smart and actually has figured out like they give Holly so many wonderful moments like that. Like even the scene later when like they're stuck in the projection room and Tally's there and she lets her in, she's like, ha ha, ha ha, Holly, good job trying to sneak in with the, with the, the, the maid's cart. And she throws the coffee on her yep. and, then, and then it was cold coffee. And then Gosling has a great line. Where he's like, good job, honey. I like where your head's at. Yes. <laughs> Which is not in the script. I love it. That that sounds like a just like, like you know like, what? I, I guess Madison, this is more of a like a, a culture shock for you. I feel like the, the best parts of the movie that you loved you would have wished were in this script. Yeah, no, they were not for the most part. Uh for the most part it's just Typical. It, it's those aside. That's why I stopped reading scripts a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> but Madison, so Always many so many so many great moments were actually in the script. Um if we can highlight some. Uh okay. I do. I do want to go. Uh, how are you doing on time? 
let's say let's say probably we got another like 15 minutes i would say 50, oh 15 yes <laughs> we we have been going for almost two hours 15. so teen jeremy our conversations go for like i know they do <laughs> this is a podcast <laughs> guess suck okay um this is like a master class right here. Okay. Um, I'm just like, I have so many things. Okay. I mean, look, here's the, here's the, here's the alternative option. If you, if, if, if everybody involved would want to do another conversation, we can have another conversation about this movie as a second part to this. And two, and two I might like, we might like ruminate on it and think of yeah. really cool stuff that we can 100%. put into like the beginning of another one that would yes. like actually be better than like rambling three hours later so, yeah, so, so, so just to like kind of give you an idea of like what i've kind of done here yeah is you know obviously i, I was saying before that i really like the way that they wrote this script yeah and and one of the one of the main things was i i found it so interesting of where the changes happened in the movie right that, that made all the difference yeah in the, in the sense of in the in the script like in, in when when um when March's daughter gets or when she when she even like shows up at at the party yeah like he's like not even like enthused he's like mad no. about it yes and, and then just throws so. her ass in a in a cab mm-hmm. and doesn't even like say I love you when he closed the door but in the movie he's like I love you and and like right. it, they have a completely different relationship it really and matters so, like, it really makes a big deal. And so, like, there's there's just so many little changes that I thought were so interesting, in mm-hmm. terms of like comedy or whatever. So I'll I'll, I'll like, you know, condense my notes. So totally. It's but so I'll I'll, I'll 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 send it with you both. Yeah, shoot shoot them to me and Mads, and we'll we'll dive into it next time. But no, this is this is awesome, dude. Thank you, Andrew. Yay. Thank you so much. This is a wonderful conversation. I, I I'm sorry yeah. we have to cut it short at least for tonight, but like, this. Yeah, is no. I mean, I, I I imagine we'll edit it down like a shit ton. So that way a little, a, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like usually these things just kind of roll. Like I just kind of cut dead air, but like this is, this will run pretty much as we've said it. So, um, and next time we'll do the same. Uh, but no, this is fucking fantastic. Thank you so much for, yeah, being, man. for doing this. All right, Matt, let's wrap this up for page break this week. I am Jeremy. And I am Madison. And break. You're in the pool. Yeah. Why? I had to question the mermaids. What were you doing while I was working?